Hey, welcome to another episode of the For Liberty and Justice podcast. My name is Nate Schatzline, and I'm one of the hosts here on the podcast where we seek to mobilize the church, wake up the city, and take a stand for liberty and justice. Hey, join us today as we have a conversation with Pastors Landon and Heather Schott, as well as Pastor Rob McCoy, and none other than Charlie Kirk, the founder of Turning Point USA. Let's get this show on the road. You're listening to the For Liberty and Justice podcast. We're going to jump into this question and answer time, and uh, so excited to have you here. Thank you for coming. Um, It's super exciting, and uh, to have our pastor up here as well. Um, We're just going to dive right in, and if you want to send in your questions, we might get to them, we might not. If not, that's okay. We'll answer them throughout um, our social media throughout the week, Um, but you can text LIBERTY to 59090, and we'll get those uh, in there, but let's kick it off uh, into something spicy. Let's just get spicy right off the bat, And, um, and that is... What would you say to Christians that would say, um, I want to spread the love of Jesus and I don't want to be divisive in this time? Read your Bible. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what does the Bible say? I came to turn father against son and brother against brother. I mean, it's Luke 15 or 16. I did not come here to unite but divide. So what do you want to do? So, oh, no, no, you want to be loved. Oh, that's something different. You don't want to spread love. You want to be loved. Two totally different things. And what kind of love do you mean exactly, Instagram Christian person? Do you mean eros, agape, storge, or phileo? Because obviously you want to be loved. No, no, no. You want to be accepted by a broken world because that's your currency in life? Like, nowhere in the scriptures does it say, proclaim the gospel and you will win the popularity contest. It's the opposite. In fact, it says, you will be persecuted you will be put in prison. I mean, like it takes like three verses in James. You're like, really, is that all? Oh, keeps going. And it's like, not only that, it's a guarantee, it's a promise. And so, but we should rejoice in that. That's the thing is that we should rejoice in the suffering and rejoice in the persecution. And so I want to spread love, but I don't want to divide. Well, then you got to choose. There is no way in today's America to not tell the truth and quote unquote divide. Um, you shouldn't should have a heart to try to divide people. But yeah, when I say that God created man and God created woman, someone says, well, Charlie, that's really divisive. Well, yeah, if you believe things that aren't true. Yeah. Like if you're full of a satanic spirit, like, excuse me, I'd love to divide us from Satan. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I, I would only add the Bible says, speak the truth in love. And, and, and truth without love is, is brutality and love without truth is hypocrisy. And, and, and Charlie's defining on that. It's not that, it's not that you want to love. It's that you want to be loved. You want to be liked. Listen, Jesus said, you know, is this too hard for you? I mean, they just, they just peeled off. He, he wasn't a seeker sensitive guy and he laid it out and they said, where else will you go for you alone have the words of life? They're not looking to you to like you. A, a, a missionary goes where they're not loved but needed and leaves when they're no longer needed but loved. And, you, and you're loved because you stood and did the right thing. And they see in you somebody with a backbone and courage. And, and contend with them because you love them. But don't, don't cower because you don't want to be disliked. You're, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm already dead. You can't insult a dead man. I'm done. I mean, it's just, yeah. 
greatest commandment. Uh, there's no nothing in the monitors. No microphone is in the monitors. Uh, you guys can't hear yourself. Uh, the greatest commandment is to love God. That's the greatest commandment. Amen. And so we've 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 missed it. The the greatest commandment is not for people to like us. The greatest commandment is to love God with everything that we have. And we've surrendered that for the approval of man. Uh, I do a Tuesday Q&A and I get asked all the time, um, what's, what's the greatest thing missing in the church? In my opinion, is the fear of the Lord. And so we fear what other people think about us more than we fear, more than we care. The fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. The fear of the Lord is being terrified to not please him. And so... Uh, I, I, I appreciate your humanity and when you were talking about when you're uh, mayor and the things that are coming against you and no one doesn't want to be liked like I, like I don't love all the articles written about us on a weekly basis I'm not like waking up like yes another one look Heather yeah, except for Charlie he's uniquely made uh, but, 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 but I, I, I don't but here, here's the thing is, is I wrote a book on homosexuality and God's heart on this subject and his, his unrelenting love for people while remaining unwavering in our loyalty to God's word to help people. But they call hate speech, hate speech because they hate to hear it, not because it's not truth. And so there's this, there's this thing that we sing in, in, in the body of Christ today where we believe that our popularity in our Christianity will forever go hand in hand. And they won't go hand in hand. And so we have to understand that we have to love God more despite what people think about us and despite what people say about us. In fact, the Bible says, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. So actually our obedience to the word of God proves that we love him. And if we loved him, we would obey the word of God. So is the body of Christ more obsessed about setting the captives free, binding up the brokenhearted, preaching the gospel, standing for truth, uh, going and healing in COVID instead we're caring about our, our neighbors by hiding in our houses. But Jesus never showed or portrayed isolation from the sick. And so if Jesus said, you love me by obeying me, then it's not about, oh, how do I love other people? We had the greatest example in Jesus in how he loved people well. Um, and in that, I think a lot of people say there's this culture war that's taking place right now. And so it's so hard to love. Okay, Jesus came and he brought a culture war. Okay, he offended everybody. He flipped society up down, in fact, uh, upside down. In fact, to the Pharisees and the religious people, he completely confronted, flipped tables. To the disciples who thought he was coming and going to sit on a throne and, and win a kingdom on earth, is like, no, I'm going to a cross and I'm dying. And they're like, no, don't say that. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. His followers that saw him do miracles questioned in their opinions and said, but how in the world can he come from Nazareth? How can he come from Joseph? He flipped the culture upside down. He brought a culture war. And I, I believe that the body of Christ should be a part of the culture war that's taking place. We should be penetrating this culture war with the truth. Um, and, and then, like I said earlier, we, we would bring freedom. And so we can't be afraid of bringing the truth in the midst of this culture war. We had the greatest example of a reformer in Jesus Christ. And uh, I believe that 
The word of God is the truth that we stand in. And so I don't know where, where we've gotten that love is like what has already been said is cowarding. Um, it is leading strong and leading people in truth. So good. Um, I would add to with critical theory raging right now across our country. You know, we're looking at a generation that's being poisoned through social media, that's being poisoned even sometimes in the classroom. But thank God for righteous candidates that are rising up in our school board. Am I right? Moms and dads that aren't going to take it anymore. Um, Because I don't know if you know this, but it's not the government's job to raise your child. How many know God ordained us to do that? Um, But what we're seeing in the classroom is unprecedented. We're seeing, and, and you know, many people will say, you know, one of the most, the biggest blessings, that, the only blessing we really saw through COVID is parents got an inside look at the classroom that they were experiencing. You know, when this transgender movement invading in on our kids, um, the gender identity crisis that we're seeing inside the classrooms, I mean, literally just down the road, three hours down the road in Austin, we see a LGBTQ plus pride parade going on with no parental consent. I can't even imagine what would happen if my child was in that parade. Um, when we see this, how do we protect the next generation and how do we take a stand as parents? Yeah, and that, that's the right question, which is the protection question, right? I mean, so look, we have to, mu- we must understand what we're up against, right? Look, the purple-haired Taliban, um, they will do whatever they, they will, they are going after your children. And, you know, I mean, and people say, Charlie, you shouldn't talk like that. I'm sorry, maybe you shouldn't go after six-year-olds, you creep. Like, I'm gonna call you whatever I want. Like, you guys are a bunch of perverts. Like, Going after kids like this? Like the gloves are off, okay? Jesus had his harshest teaching for people that went after children. And that goes for Disney, and that goes for these teachers, that goes for anyone that supports any of this stuff. And so, uh, look, I'll let the pastors sort out the verses here, um, but I'm not gonna put up with this, all right? Um, I want Disney to go bankrupt. I wanna punish people that go after children. Um, I believe that we must, we must punch back twice as hard. They must understand the sword swings the other way. Like you are not gonna put, push puberty blockers on 10 year olds without parental consent. This is irreversible damage, everybody. It's not like when they're 20, they could say, oh, well. No, it, there is a window and if you stunt puberty, there is no going back. And there are hundreds of thousands of, of cases that we know now of people that have transition regret. And it's a growing thing. Now, I just want to take a couple thoughts on this. I know we're short on time, but a couple things. Who is pushing this, okay? Yes, you have the kind of entire cartel of like the LGBT thing, okay? But you must understand that there is an incredibly cynical business interest. And the same pharmaceutical companies that pushed forward all these vaccines see a multi-billion dollar annual opportunity in trying to push these hormone blockers and puberty blockers, they're the ones that are pushing this. AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, they have billions of dollars of drugs in front of the FDA right now in research and development, phase one, phase two, phase three trials that they want to try to push to five, six, and seven-year-olds that might have transition regret. There has not been a gold rush in the pharmaceutical industry like this in decades. All they have to do is get more kids to want to think that they're what they're not and they start to print more money. Yes, it is that cynical. You can go look at yourself. Look at the people, look at where Pfizer's donating their money. They're donating to the human rights campaign and to AC. It's like, oh, that's interesting. It's all part of a very, very sinister money interest of the corporate lobbies that want to push these sort of very, very destructive drugs. So the other part of this though is the ideologues. Here's the good news though, is that this is an issue that the 
overwhelming majority, 99% of Americans, are with us on this. They just happen to have an incredibly vocal, hostile, and like belligerent minority. But here's the problem with this issue, which is exactly why I'm so like intentionally provocative on this issue, because I want to give you the permission and the space to talk about it the same way, which is 99% of Americans are equally as afraid to talk about this issue. This issue, for whatever reason, people get so scared. Well, I don't want to come across as insensitive or a transphobe. Okay, let's talk about that for a second, okay? If you're suffering under gender dysphoria or gender delusion, I hope that you find Jesus in your life and you go through a transformation. I want that for you, okay? I do. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people that want to redesign society and go after vulnerable seven, eight, and nine-year-olds and do incredibly destructive things to them. That's a completely separate issue. And so what do we do to protect them? Well, here's the question in front of Christians, right? Which is, what will it take for you to fight the way they've been fighting? I'm already there, right? I want to call out every single one of these pervert teachers, put them in prison, pass these laws in every state, defund Disney. I believe that is the Christian thing to do. It's awesome. You know, looking at this and, you know, we're talking about the indoctrination that's going on in our schools. Um, We're also talking about subjects such as critical race theory. This is a hot topic that's across America right now. Um, It's something that um, our governor has outlawed inside the state of Texas. And yet, for some reason, we still see this going on in our local ISDs. You know, the left is, is typically very good at owning language such as compassion, such as, you know, unity, diversity, and, you know, it can be confusing for some of us. Uh, What would you say um, to someone who would say, well, CRT is just teaching history? And and even more so, people saying CRT uh, doesn't happen in schools. It's, It's just a university subject. What would your response be? Yeah, okay, so saying like CRT is teaching history is being like, okay, we're gonna do biology lesson about bloodletting. Like we might as well make the kids aware of every opinion, right? Or, hey, let's do a, um, let's do an astrology lesson, but we have to entertain the flat earth theory. No, it's not. There are some things you don't teach kids because they aren't true. And, and so this whole teaching history. So this all stems from the great charlatan, Nicole Hannah Jones, um, who's a very dishonest person from the New York Times. Again, I don't mean to take too long on this stuff so we could let the the panel go through it, but I'll do it as quickly as I possibly can. Um, American history is incredibly heroic. I'll tell you a couple things that makes America unique. Up until America, there had never been a country, ever, where you could tell me a date and time it started. America was summoned into existence. It didn't stumble into existence. That's unbelievably rare. Tell me when the British Empire founded. You can't. Chinese Empire, you can't. Russian, you can't. Why does that matter? That means people made a statement of actions and beliefs, and they said, we're willing to sacrifice it for today. The idea that America was summoned into existence meant that they were willing to make an argument. What was the argument? The argument was that when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands that have tied them to another, deriving from the equal but station, the equal but station powers, the laws of nature and nature's God, and goes on to say, of course, life, liberty, one's property in the pursuit of happiness. They're making a moral argument there. They're making an argument that we understand a vertical relationship to our government. 
Now understand, the Declaration of Independence inspired the abolition of slavery in Vermont, that 9 out of 13 of the colonial states before the Constitution was ratified had independently abolished slavery, that when the Northwest Ordinance was passed as one of the first acts of Congress in 1787, they abolished slavery in the new territories, approved unanimously by all 13 colonies. The first ever anti-slavery convention in the world was chaired by Benjamin Franklin in Philadelphia in 1775. The first country ever to abolish slavery was Britain, thanks to William Wilberforce. Then America did it after that. There are more slaves on the earth today than there ever traded in the slave trade, both to Brazil, both to South America and North America. There's more slaves in Somalia and the Arab world. The question shouldn't be, why was there slavery? The question should be, why did they decide to get rid of it? You see, every human being has something in common. We have this in common with every person that came before us. We were born into a world we did not create. We all agree at that, right? Well, Thomas Jefferson was born into a world where slavery was everywhere. By the time he was on his deathbed in the 1820s, slavery was on its way out and was nearly extinct in the Northern Hemisphere. We should take pause and ask the question, why? Because that's a big deal. CRT does the opposite. CRT says our founding fathers are not worthy of study because they all owned slaves and they were bigot and racist. Even though they can't point to a single document of writing of Jefferson, Madison, Hamilton, Jay, Norris, any one of these people that show any sort of bigoted bone in their body. No, instead, they want to try to whitewash history. Why? If there is no history, there is no story. There is no story. There is no country. And then the revolution can begin. That's why. With, uh, with critical race theory, one of the things that really frustrated me, especially in California, is when we defied the governor, we watched other churches post black tiles. And, and everyone was scared of it because everybody, you know, they're, they're exploiting historical wounds and black lives matter. Nobody's going to disagree with a statement. But we disagree with the organization Black Lives Matter. And, and my, my biggest comment to those pastors that I said, it's supported by Planned Parenthood. Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist, and she wanted to get rid of, rid of what she called the Negro problem. And, and Planned Parenthood supports Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter support Planned Parenthood. You, you think Black Lives Matter? Let me ask you this question. 13% of the population of America is black. You cut that in half, 6.5%, 6.5% male, female. Take the female side and reduce it to childbearing years, which is 4% of the population of America. That 4% is responsible for almost 40% of the abortions. It is a holocaust on the black community. The birth rate is down to 1.7. You're going to have to go to the Smithsonian Institute in 10 years to see a black American. And they're responsible for the decimation of our black community. Why are you posting a tile saying you care when, you are, when you're preaching the antithesis of that? It doesn't work. Stand for truth. Protect the black babies. Can, can I say this? You guys have heard of Origin of Species by Charles Darwin? The one that they teach in our schools on evolution. Did you ever hear the subtitle? They've taken it out now because I don't want your children to see the original. The origin of species by means of natural selection or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. He was a racist. And this is the whole idea. You have got to understand this is good versus evil. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is manipulating the black community to eviscerate them. I'm here to make sure they survive and are protected. Come on. So good. I think if we had that message, our churches would be unified. 
we can unify behind that. You know, uh, speaking of, he mentioned Margaret Sanger, mentioned Planned Parenthood. You know, we're looking at truly the generation that may see Roe v. Wade overturned, maybe even this year. Um, and it's powerful. But I want to ask my pastors as well as Pastor Rob, how are we supposed to respond? Because the reality is most people don't understand the overturning of Roe v. Wade does not just abolish abortion across the United States. It actually turns it back to the states to be able to write legislation in order to protect the unborn. And so this is big, but how do we as a church steward that and make sure that we truly do protect the unborn? And what is our role as Christians? So what Nate was just saying is that Roe versus Wade being overturned then goes back to the states to decide if it's legal or illegal, which about half of the states would stand on the side of it being illegal and the other half would stand legalizing it. And so I believe it was when the heartbeat bill in Texas came out, about 40% um, of abortions in the state of Texas immediately dropped with just the heartbeat bill. And so there is a lot of work to still be done even after Roe v. Wade, because we are believing that nationally in America, it will be made illegal because no baby's blood should be spilt. And God is not going to bless America with millions of babies' blood being spilled. And so it is the body of Christ time, of, as I said before, for such a time as this, that it means that there will be babies that are being birthed that are unwanted. And that means that adoption has to be a part of the solution. And I believe that it is a part of even the prophetic word over this house of expanding territory, that the Lord is going to open Christians, going to open believers' hearts to be able to take in these children as our own, just like Christ, it says in the word of God, has adopted us uh, into his family. So, huge solution there. I would also add that churches need to adopt inner city churches and say, look, we're going to come alongside you to help raise up fathers for these children. Uh, we're going to help. Sub- so, so the government's not the only place you go for the decimation of your culture, that we come alongside them. Where, where the wealth exists, let's bring that into the inner city voluntarily, not by the means of the government, which has an agenda. We're going in to save lives and we're going to raise families and protect them. So I think the church has a role in that in a huge way. And I just want to share what he's saying is the family dynamic is so important. There is such a strategic attack of the breakdown of family, of marriage um, right now. And the, you know, Nate asked a couple questions ago how to protect the family unit. You have to be the first, the first voice of truth and educating your children in this hour. If you think that you're preserving their innocence by waiting and waiting and waiting to have a, a conversations on all of these topics, you're fooling yourselves because the world is put in every single arena to put its perverted truth into your children because they believe that if they can indoctrinate and pervert the minds of the next generation that they have the future. And so uh, we started, I remember hearing the whispers of the Holy Spirit telling my daughter, it's time to have a conversation um, about homosexuality, about this gender confusion that's taking place. I took her out to lunch. We had the conversation. We haven't even had the birds and bees conversation, but she knows about abortion. She knows about human trafficking. She knows about all of these issues that we're talking about. She sat there and she watched the presidential debates, paused it and said, how is that woman talking about women's right when she for murdering all of these babies and half of them are women at eight years old. 
And so we have to be the voices putting foundations of truth in our children. So if they see two men making out on a TV, that they're instantly disgusted instead of, oh, is that how it's supposed to be? And so we have to have the conversations in our households. We have to be bold outside of our houses and inside with our children. I want to give Pastor Landon a chance to answer, but I, I want to say this because of what she said. I think it's vital that we hear this. And this is for every mom and dad sitting in this room that you truly are the savior of America. You right now, it, through the Holy Spirit's power in you, you are the savior because you have a power that no one else has, and that is educating your child. And I just want to say this. It is no one's responsibility except for you as a mom and dad to educate your child. And if we don't educate our children, culture will do it for us. And so it's time to rise up and time to take that stand. So I just want to uh, just speak to hearts for a second. Uh, and there's individuals in this room that have had abortions. There's every time we teach or minister on this, there's someone that's struggling or know someone uh, or someone that's struggling with sexual confusion or your identity. And the Bible says this, why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So at no time in this conversation is God's love for you at question. He died on the cross. He proved his love for you. But it's important that you understand this because sometimes you can hear this or maybe there's uh, people, the media in here that will write a fun article after this uh, and, 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 and you'll take comments and you'll spin them and you'll twist them. And so I, I want you to hear this. Jesus loves you no matter what you're dealing with. He proved his love for you. What we're talking about is, do you love him? That's what we're talking about. And if, if we love him, then we follow him and we obey him, despite what the color of our skin is, despite what, what, what we've grown up hearing in our family, despite what the, the media is telling. And, and I know we got to close this out tonight. So here, here's what I'd say. There's a story in the Bible, uh, in the book of Genesis, uh, where there's uh, a man named Jacob and he was a conniver. He was a, a deceiver, uh, but God blessed him. And, and here's what he did. His father-in-law uh, turned on him. And so he said, he, he worked for his father-in-law, I believe it was 14 years. And, and uh, he said, why don't you just give me all the spotted and speckled sheep? And so his, his father-in-law stole all of the spotted and speckled sheep from him. And here's what he did is he took uh, branches and he, he shaved them to make them spotted and speckled. And he put them in front of the sheep watering trough. And here's what happened. As the sheep mated and they drank in front of these spotted and speckled branches, they gave birth to spotted and speckled sheep. And here's the lesson. You will give birth to what you see. And we have put immorality in front of a generation. And now they're giving birth to it. They are becoming what they have been watching for the last 20 and 30 years. And here's what we're saying is the church must put righteousness, must put holiness, must put fathers, must put mothers, must put godliness in front of a generation. And what we will see is we will see young people in communities give birth to what we model for them.